Honestly, we are living in pretty wild times. Um, I know that last Monday when I woke up and saw the news and what was happening uh, in Vegas, um, definitely um, was shocking. Um, at the same time, it's interesting. I feel like uh, we're at a season in culture, in church, in the world right now where it feels like we see these things and they're happening so often um, that it kind of makes us feel a little numb uh, to things because we're constantly seeing this kind of stuff happening around the world. Um, but I know this much, that God has a divine plan and that God is in control and that God has good things in store uh, for you and for me. And so we have to learn how to decipher in life when there are things changing in the world, things changing in culture. Like, for instance, um, I love documentaries. Um, I'm a nerd <laughs> when it comes to that. Like, when Netflix has a new documentary, I'm like, cool, documentary on fruit flies. Awesome, great, you know what I mean? Um, but one of the things that I love about documentaries, I've, I watched this series. It was, um, I think CNN did it, but it was like the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. They just recently did the 90s. Um, I love learning, especially visually, about history. You know, like history class growing up, I was like, are you done? You know what I mean? And, uh, but I love visually being able to learn it. And one of the things that I saw that was definitely happening in the 60s, in our nation, in our country, that was a redefining decade. It was a moment in time where the world, our country, the nation was changing. And I feel like we're in one of those moments right now as it relates to culture. Culture is changing, the world is changing, our country is changing, but we need to know as the world changes that God still has a course and a direction for you, for us, for the church, okay? And we need to be able to identify what that uh, destination is because the reality is this. When, when we get on a plane, we get on a plane, and it has a desired destination. It's going to take us to our destination. God has a destination that he wants to take us on, okay? So um, let me try to explain this. You know, the direction of Elevate Church really comes out of John chapter 21, Jesus is resurrected. He comes back to earth. He's speaking to Peter. He's letting Peter know, hey, this is my vision for the church. And the vision for the church is really this. Feed, tend, and love people. Okay? So what, what does that mean? It means this, that as a church, it's our job to feed you the word of God. It's our job to feed you hope. It's our job to make sure that you... Every Sunday when you come to church, you leave church and you go, man, my soul is fed, okay? And I'm fed not just for today, but I'm fed for the future. And we're a church that's encouraging that. We're also a church that means that we're tending people. What does that mean? It means this, that uh, the word talks about two different categories. And these two different categories are this. There are lambs and there are sheep. Okay, how many of you know both of them aren't very smart, okay, lambs or sheep, okay? And this is how God refers to us, that we are lambs and sheeps, okay? So lambs are young, and what do young 
people do? What do young things do? They make bad decisions, okay? So a lot of times as we are new believers, we're new believers, we've just found our place in the Lord, we now need to go from becoming a lamb to a sheep. What is a sheep? Really, it's a believer in Christ, okay? A believer in Christ. And so our heart and our desire is for people, yes, we don't care where you're at in the journey. And let me specify that that I totally understand that in this service, just like first service, we have lots of people that are in very different places in their journey with Jesus, and we are 100% okay with that. What we're not okay with is allowing people to stay lambs. That was never the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father was for people to grow and to mature into believers in Christ so that God could use you in his kingdom, okay? And so that is really the desire of our heart is to continue to allow people to grow even though culture changes, okay? We, and I got to make sure we understand this. Culture is forever going to change. The world is forever going to change. It's going to get darker. It's going to get worse. We're going to continue to look at our nation. We're going to continue to look at the world and go, what in the world's happening? This is all things that must happen before Jesus comes back. Okay, and I promise you, um, I, I think I'm going to do some end time stuff uh, in the beginning of November because the reality is we are so close to the coming of Jesus. The rapture of the church is so close on hand, and there's so many things that are happening in the world on a daily basis that you can literally take the scriptures and go, wow, CNN just reported on this, and it's happening all the time. But as culture changes, that does not mean that we have to change with culture. What we have to do is we have to properly look at the word of God and go, okay, God, what do you say about my life? What do you say about our church? What do you say about our future? And so uh, we're going to do a good job with that today. So uh, Matthew chapter 14, uh, if you've got a Bible, pull out your Bible. If you've got a phone with a Bible app, you can pull that out. Uh, otherwise, we have a giant Bible on the screen uh, for you today. Uh, but Matthew chapter uh, 14, uh, we're going to look at a bunch of different verses today. Um, how many of you heard of Johnny Cash before? Okay, yeah, got some Johnny Cash fans in the house. I, I like me some Johnny. Johnny Cash said this, being a follower of Jesus isn't for sissies. I love that. It isn't for sissies. It takes a real man to live for Jesus, a lot more man than to live for the devil. And that's the truth. Um, it's really easy to take the broad way uh, to hell, but it's a different road to walk this road to find victory in life in Jesus. So come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would lead and guide and direct our hearts and our thoughts and our minds today. Uh, we give you all the authority to speak to us right now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Okay, Matthew chapter 14. Okay, we have Jesus and the disciples. The disciples are lambs. They're on their way to becoming sheep, becoming believers. Okay, I, I think that sometimes we have to have this idea that the disciples... These guys are literally probably 12, 13, 14, maybe 15-year-old young guys, okay? So they're trying to figure things out. Um, I think they're also trying to figure out, like, 
do I believe this guy <laughs> that I'm following every day? You know, like every day Jesus gets up and he's headed off to something new and he's going off and they're just kind of waking up and following Jesus and where Jesus goes, they go and they're seeing Jesus do miracles. They're seeing Jesus heal people. They're seeing Jesus do all these things, but I think they're still trying to figure out, do we completely, totally believe this? And so the disciples are impressed easily a lot. And I understand this, okay? And I want, I want to show you a video. Can we make sure, Matt, is the sound on? Yeah, we're good? Okay. Uh, show this video uh, real quick, okay? I'm in the candy cane forest, and I found a good friend of mine. That's right. You see him. It's Santa Claus! Okay, so this is me at Lowe's yesterday, okay? I walked into Lowe's, and I saw Christmas stuff, and I literally looked at somebody, and I was like, look, there's Christmas stuff, and I promise you, they looked at me like, please take this, like, sad man away, you know what I mean? And I was so pumped. I'd be mean, literally so pumped, and so it, I, I think I'm easily impressed. I really, really am, and, and the disciples are kind of like me. They're easily impressed. And a lot of times they're easily impressed not with what God is doing, but a lot of times with kind of the lack around them. And so we see this in in chapter 14, verse 13. Let's look at it, okay? As soon as Jesus heard the news, okay, so what's the news? The news is that his friend John the Baptist just got beheaded, okay? Probably not the best day. Personal friend, a colleague, um, somebody is spreading the gospel, gets beheaded, okay? And so he said this. He said, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone, okay? So they just want to get away. Had a bad day. I mean, how many of you just, like, you're at your desk at work, and you're like, can we just go to Jamaica right right now, like, you know, some way, somehow? And so Jesus says, hey, we're, we're going to take a break. This is, and I love that we see the humanity of Jesus in this moment. He's a man. He has emotions, he has feelings, he has things just like we do. And his friend gets beheaded, and the disciples, I'm sure, think about these young guys. They're probably thinking like, man, if John got beheaded, what's coming for us? I mean, what's going to happen to us? We're the one following this guy, and John just got beheaded for just preaching about this guy, but we're following this guy. But it says this, but the crowds heard where he was headed, and they followed him on foot to many towns. Verse 14, Jesus saw the huge crowd, and he stepped out of the boat, and he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. I love that any moment we've ever interact with God, okay, and Jesus is God, okay? I love in the New Testament, Jesus never sends people away. Somebody comes sick to Jesus, he doesn't go, yeah, um, I want you to deal with that for maybe nine or ten months. Uh, I want you to learn a few lessons, and I want you to come back, and we'll talk about get you healed. There's not, there's not a place in the Bible that does that. People meet Jesus, and what does he do? He heals, he restores, he renews. This is always what Jesus does. Okay, Verse 15, the, uh, that evening the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they may go to the villages and buy food for themselves. So I think the disciples kind of got together, you know what I mean? They're like, hey, guys, 
um, I think Jesus is going to be, like, really proud of us, you know? I mean, like, we came up with this great idea, you know? We're just going to go to Jesus uh, and tell him to send him away. And guess what? We can go back on our vacation. We're going to get away from all these people. And Jesus is going to be super proud of us, okay? I don't know about you, but I have these moments where I'm praying, and I'm thinking, like, man, God's going to be so excited about what I'm praying. He's going to be so impressed with my request today, you know? Unfortunately, that's not always the answer. (laughs) Verse 16. But Jesus says this. It's not necessary. You feed them. Verse 17 starts with this famous word. But. Okay. Think about how many times God says something to you. And you're like, but God, I hate that person at work. You know what I mean? But God, my boss is such an idiot. You know what I mean? Like, he came from planet idiots. You know what I mean? And he is an idiot. You know? Think about how many times we start a conversation with God like this. But. So this is the response. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Okay? For some reason, as humans, we are always impressed with this thing called lack. Okay? Anytime there's a lack, we're impressed by it. And a lot of times when we see lack, we see no way out. Anytime we see lack, we're so impressed by lack that we make our decisions based upon the lack that we have in our life, just like the disciples. Okay? Lack always makes me feel fear. Okay? The car breaks down, I get an unexpected bill. What is our first thoughts? Oh, gosh, how am I ever going to pay for this? You know? How how are we going to deal with this bill? You know? Like, I I promise you, my car is broken down at times. I'm just like, just take it away. You know, I don't want to ever see it again. You know what I mean? And it's like, and literally, I'm thinking, like, every time my car breaks down, I think it's going to be like $3,000. And then they call, and they're like, ah, it's going to be like 240 bucks. And I'm like, oh, God, thank you. You know? We're so impressed by it. Lack always makes you feel fear. Lack always makes you go, you know what? Uh, We're just going to stay in our little safe zone over here, okay? I can control everything in my little world over here. I can control what is safe, what is not safe. And I'm just going to stay in my safe place. It causes us to feel this way. Lack always causes us to feel paralyzed, okay? Think about any moment in your life that you felt like you didn't have enough or you weren't enough. Did it give you confidence? Did it give you security? Did it give you the sense that I can overcome the situation? No, it paralyzes you. It screams, you don't have enough, you won't have enough. It will never happen. And so this is exactly what's happening with the disciples. Jesus speaks to them and says, no, you feed them. You take care of them. And they look at what they have and they go, there is no way, there is no possible way that we have enough right now. Okay? They haven't made the jump yet in their thinking. Okay? What is Jesus trying to do? Jesus is trying to help them, help us today understand this principle that when Jesus is involved, anything's possible. problem is this. We hear it all the time. 
Uh, with God, anything's possible, you know. Praise God, brother. I believe you. <laughs> well, do you? I mean, do we really believe it? That God can do anything? Obviously, the disciples didn't think so. So what does Jesus say in verse 18? He says, bring him here. I look at this, I think like Jesus is almost like a parent in this moment. He's just like so frustrated at these, you know, little children. He's just like, whatever, fine. You know, as a parent, you just kind of get to a place, you know what I mean? Like the other day, uh, is he in here? Is Ben in here? No, okay. Uh, ben was trying to wipe his butt. Like we're literally trying to help Ben learn. He's going to be eight years old. Jess said this to me the other day. She's like, listen. Eight is the cutoff. I'm not wiping a butt after eight. You know what I mean? So we're trying to help Ben. And, like, he's trying in the bathroom, and he's trying and trying and trying. Finally, I'm like, whatever. I am so done with this moment. And this bathroom smells so horrible. I will just do it right now. You know what I mean? I think this is Jesus in this moment. He's like, I'm just so fed up with this situation. Fine. I will take care of it. Okay? Verse 19, I know you're all like, wow, wow. You sure you're a pastor, okay? Verse 19, then he told the people to sit down in the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, and he looked to heaven, and he blessed it. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples to distribute the pieces. I said this in first service. That little section is a message in itself. You are either in one of these seasons at all time in the Lord. You are either in a season of blessing, where God is pouring out blessing into your life, or you're in a season where you're like, man, I just feel like God is breaking me down. I've had those seasons, you know, where I'm way too smart for myself, and God is like, hey, let me show you some things. Or there's seasons where God is giving your life away. God goes, okay, I need to use your life. You, uh, listen, you are full. And because you are full, I need to give your life away. Okay? Verse 20. Okay? The Bible says this. They ate, they all, they all ate as much as they wanted. Don't you, I mean, doesn't that excite you that when Jesus is involved with something, it's like bounty. It's, it's not scraps. I'm trying to help you understand this. Like, like when I was growing up in church, the perspective of blessed was like, you know, like if we can just, if we just make it, if we can just get by, if we, if we just have enough, God's blessed us, and that, that'll be good. I'm sorry, that is not what I see when I read the Bible. Jesus blessed it, and they ate as much as they wanted. Okay? Like my cousin Herb is there eating like 48 pieces of bread. You know what I mean? He's eating as much as he wants. Okay? And then it goes on to say the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. So it wasn't even good enough that everybody ate as much as they wanted. It was like Jesus was like, hey, you, you 12, get a picture of what my kingdom looks like. 
My picture that I'm giving you is that I'm the God who multiplies, who takes what you think is small and little, and I will multiply it, and I'll feed everybody, and I'll bring leftovers. And the Bible says this in verse 21, about 5,000 men, which really means this. Those 5,000 men, those 5,000 women, and who knows how many children were there that day. There are thousands of people who ate from five loaves and two fishes. God's teaching them a valuable lesson. Verse 22, immediately after this, Jesus insists that the disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Verse 23, uh, after sending them home, he went up to the hillside to be by himself to pray. Night fell uh, where he was there all alone. Verse 24, it says, meanwhile, okay, it's like a TV show. Okay. Meanwhile, the disciples are off alone in a dangerous place. Come back next week for the, the chance to see what happened. You know what I mean? This is, this is verse 24. This is how I read the Bible, by the way. Okay? If you read the Bible, just read it. I'm sorry. You're boring. I couldn't, I couldn't listen to you. In my mind, I have my, my mind is full of years of cartoons and TV shows. So I'm always like, I'm, I'm a I can't wait to really see the disciples someday. So, meanwhile, the disciples are far away. They're in trouble. They're in the boat. Storm has come. A strong storm has risen. They're fighting heavy waves. Verse 25, about 3 o'clock in the morning, Jesus comes towards them, walking on the water. Verse 26, the disciples saw him walking on the water. They were terrified. They were in fear. They cry out, it's a ghost. All of a sudden, it's a Scooby-Doo show. You know what I mean? They're like, oh my gosh, it's a ghost. You know what I mean? Which I'm like, did they see ghosts like on a regular basis back in Bible times for them to think that Jesus was a ghost? You know what I mean? But all of a sudden, Jesus is a ghost. Verse 27, Jesus speaks up. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm here. Okay? Verse 28, Peter cries out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come out to you and walk on the water. Yes, come, Jesus says. So Peter went over the side of the boat, walked on water towards Jesus. Verse 30, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified. And he began to sink, and he yelled, Save me, Lord. He shouted. Immediately, Jesus reaches out and grabs him. Okay? We need to learn some stuff from this. Okay? There's some truth in this passage, what I call meat. Okay? Meat to help us all grow to become believers. Okay? To become believers in Christ. So we need to see some things, okay? First off, we need to understand this. Jesus told them at the very beginning, get into the boat and go to the other side. So let's hypothetically rewrite the Bible for a second. I know that sounds terrible, doesn't it? But let's imagine Jesus never shows up at three o'clock in the morning. Let's imagine that they're in the boat. The storm comes just like it did before. Jesus never comes at three. They're in the boat. Do they get to the other side? Yes. Why? Because the God of the universe spoke it when he said, get in the boat and go to the other side. Okay? 
So there are times in life that God's going to speak to you and he's going to go, listen, I know you're here, but you're going to go over here. And when you get over here, it's going to be full of blessing and I'm going to use your life in major ways and and the kingdom's going to grow and your life is going to grow and and it's going to be really good. But the truth is this, between here and there is it a perfect Calm, sailing sea, always. No. It's not. So when Jesus tells you to, speak, uh, to step out in faith, okay, what is he saying? He's saying there is provision behind what I'm telling you. So when he tells the disciples, hey, get in the boat and go to the other side, Do you think that Jesus doesn't know there's a storm coming? He's the God of the universe. He knows exactly what he's sending these 12 into. I think sometimes, I think we think God doesn't know what's happening in my life. Yes, he does. He clearly does. He knows every single day. But he knows how to get you from here to there. Because when he speaks, there's authority. When Jesus spoke, when God spoke, let there be light, was there light? You better believe there was light. So when the mouth of God opens and speaks, there is blessing and favor and provision behind what he speaks. So that's why when I look at the word of God and I go, okay, Jesus said that he healed the sick that were oppressed by the enemy, that means this, he will do it today. He said it. And if he said it, I believe it. I was at dinner the other night uh, with uh, a friend in the church, and we were talking about this idea of God doing these things. And he said, he said, I just started praying that I would see trees fall down because the Bible said I could speak to trees, and if I had faith that the trees would fall down. And I was like, what happened? He's like, it happened once. He was like, I was in the forest, and then a tree fell down. He's like, I spoke to this tree for, like, months, and eventually I was like, I was walking through the forest, and this tree fell down. I was like, well, praise God, it fell down. <laughs> so God is teaching the disciples. He's going, listen, I told you you were going to the other side. But what happens in the middle? What happens from the time that God speaks to us, and we know it's God, to the time we get to the other side? We get to this place called the middle. And in the middle... That's where you, like, freak out. You know what I mean? Like, can you imagine, like, God in heaven looking at earth and all these people like, ah, ah, God, ah. You know what I mean? That's us. That's us. Oh, God. You know? Where are you? There's waves. But it's the truth. But God speaks, there's provision. Number two is this, verse 27. But God spoke to them. You ever think about that in this story? That God wasn't just speaking to Peter. The Bible says that God spoke to them, all of them, every one of them in the boat when he said, don't be afraid, take courage, I am here. He's not just speaking to Peter, he's speaking to everybody. Just like the Bible isn't just for me or just for Levi or this part of the Bible is for Drew, you know, no, the Bible, everything that God spoke is for all of us. 
Okay, so why is a testimony so powerful? Because when you see a testimony, you go, if God did it for them, God can do it for me. If God healed them, God can heal me. If God financially blessed them, he can financially bless me. If God gave them a blessing and a bonus and a raise, God can do it for me. It's for me too. Third thing, verse 29. Jesus says this, yes, come. The Lord was showing me this the other day. He said, I didn't just speak it to Peter. I spoke it to all of them. It's just that Peter was the one that responded. So on Sunday mornings, what does God do? It's like, it's like God takes a handful of a God good rich seed and he slings it out there. Okay? And God's going, this is my promise for everybody. It's for all of you. It just matters if you take it. Peter took it. Listen, I believe every word in the Bible is there for a reason or not. So just like when it says Jesus spoke to them, that word them is there for a reason, meaning that he was addressing everybody. And just like Jesus didn't say, yes, Peter, and only Peter, because Peter's the only one I want to do this, and I believe in Peter more than I believe in anybody else. So Peter, you get to walk on water and nobody else does. No, that's not what Jesus said. Verse 29, he says, yes, come. So God's going, hey, will you grab on to what I'm dishing out? Because it's just as much for you. I think sometimes, okay, this is what I think is great. I think sometimes, like, I'll have, like, a prophetic word for somebody, and you'll go, oh, my gosh, I wish God would have a prophetic word for me. You know what I mean? I wish God would speak to me like that. You know what I mean? Well, God's speaking. If God wants to do this in Stefan's life, why would he not want to do the same thing in yours? He does. He's got to grab it. You got to own it. Peter owned that moment. He owned what God was speaking. And because he believed what God was speaking, just like when God said, Jesus said, no, you feed them. So what was Jesus doing? He was releasing the power to them. You know, the Bible could have been written that the disciples prayed over it, broke it, and distributed it. Isn't that amazing? Jesus gave the disciples that authority, but they let it go. They said, no, uh, we don't understand it. We're so impressed with lack. So what did Jesus have to do? He had to take it back and be it, okay? Last thing was this, okay? Jesus was trying to teach them a valuable lesson, okay? Um, you three, here, come here real quick, okay? Yeah. Yeah, Peter, come here. All right. So we're all in a boat together, okay? Us chums, okay? <laughs> we, 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 uh, we're all chummy friends, and we get into this, this boat together, okay? And we get out on the water, okay? And a storm comes up, and it's nighttime. It's pitch dark, you know what I mean? And now, all of a sudden, we're like, oh, my God, oh, Jesus, help us. We're going to die, you know what I mean? 
because there's a storm and there's water, okay, and everything's coming in, okay? If I said, hey, guys, I got a great idea, you know? Why don't we jump out of the boat into this dark water that we can't see anything, and let's get out of the boat, okay? Now, these are great friends until you say that, you know what I mean? They're with you until they're like, you're heresy. We rebuke you in the name of Jesus, you know what I mean? Why? Because the boat is the safest place, right? If we're out on water, doesn't it make sense to be in the boat? The boat is what gives us safety. The boat is what gives us shelter. The boat is what causes us not to drown, correct? But what was Jesus really saying to all of them? No, you think it's safer in the boat, but it's really safer out here with me. Because where I am is where blessing and favor and provision is. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, hey, it is really, really important that you know how to hear my voice. And when I say, yes, come, you go, you know what? This seems really safe, and it seems really secure, and it makes a lot of sense to not move. But no, I will get out of this boat, and I will come where you're going. Listen, you quit a few jobs in life like me and Jess have, people start looking at you like, hey, is there something wrong with you? Why, why do you quit jobs? Well, because God told me to quit my job. Uh, worship team, you can come on up. I was on the phone uh, the other day uh, with a great friend of mine. And uh, he's about to start a church, just like we started Elevate Church. And he said, hey, I'm calling a few people that I really love and trust because I want to get everybody's thoughts and I want to get everybody's opinions. And I want to know how you started your church. And so I told him this. I said, listen, if you take every church planting book in the world, which back in like the 80s, in the early 90s, in the 70s, these things did not exist, okay? But we live in 2017. So in 2017, we got a wonderful thing called the internet. We got books. We got conferences. There are 100,000 ways that people help other people plant and start churches, correct? Okay? So I tell my friend, if you took every rule of every single book, of every single conference, of everything you could ever put together about starting a church, I promise you this, I broke every single one of them. I didn't listen to any of them. See, in church planning, what you do is this, you take two years to build a team, two years. And in that two years of building your team, you then collect finances, okay? What do the finances do? They help you start the church, but they also help you live so you have food to put in your kids' mouths. And during those two years, you save enough money and, 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 and you put it away so that when you start your church, you have some money in the bank. The Lord reminded me of this. Just 
What year did we move? 2016? Was it 16? Yeah, so December 15. December 15. December of 15, I'm at Living Word Church. It's the Christmas cantata, okay? It's just Christmas songs and whatever. I'm sitting there in worship, and the Lord is repeatedly telling me, it's time to go. It's time to go. It's time to go. It's time to go. You are not called to be this youth pastor anymore. You're not called to be the children's pastor anymore. You're not called to be an associate pastor anymore. It is time to go. First of the year rolls around. We have prayer and fasting. Again, the Lord is repeatedly, it's time to go. It's time to go. It's time to go. Quit your job. Quit your job. Quit your job. Sit down with pastor in February. Hey, um, I got to quit. Really? Yeah, I, I got to go start the search. Like God's telling me to go start the search. Okay. Um, how are you going to do it? I have no idea. With what money? I, I have no idea. I'm on the phone with my friend. He goes, what What'd you do? I said, well, I said, in June, we're leaving. We're done. No more. No mas. We're done. I said, during those six months, you know, pastor came to us and said, hey, I want to give you $200,000 to our church. I want to give you a year's salary. And I went and prayed about it. And the Lord was like, nope, not what I want. Go back, tell pastor, nope, can't do it. Pastor goes, no, I need you to really pray about this. Like, almost like, you're, you're smarter than this. Go pray again. Go pray. Lord says, nope. Pastor says, okay, I need you to go pray again. And if you come back and say no again, I need you to sign a contract saying that you are refusing my money. Go pray. Lord says, nope. I come back. Nope. Sign a contract. A month later, we pack our stuff. We move to Cincinnati. No jobs, no money. I mean, literally, to start the church, I think at that time, the day we moved, I think we had, um, somebody had given us like a $1,500 check. That's it. That is all we had to start this church. And so he's like, well, what happened? I'm like, well, over, over I don't know, was it four or five months? God brought $80,000 and we started the church. And he's like, well, he's like, well, what'd you, what did you and your wife do? I was like, well, we, we refinished furniture and we sold furniture for 17 months. And, and this is what he says. He like, it was like a long pause. And I thought literally he had hung up. Like you are such an idiot that I cannot even take this anymore. I'm just going to hang up. So finally I'm like, are you there? And he goes, yeah. I go, what are you thinking about? He goes, I'm thinking I've never heard a story like this in my life. This isn't my church. This is the Lord's church. I just get to manage it. The Lord built this. And the Lord will continue to build us. And the Lord will continue to take us wherever we go. As long as me and Jess stay in the place, in the place where we go, yep, we'll get out of the boat. Whenever you want us to get out of the boat, we're out of the boat. Wherever you're going, we're going. Whatever you want to do, we're going to do it. We completely trust you. 
This is what believers do. This is what believers do. This isn't what lambs do. Lambs don't do this. But believers, this is what believers do. This is what a believer looks like. It's amazing to me how we will trust God with our soul, but we won't trust Him with our finances. Because why? Because we are so impressed with the bills that are coming in. We're so impressed by our paychecks. We're so impressed by the lack. We're so impressed by by things like, why won't we go ahead and make friends at church? Because guess what? I like my little world, and if I step out of my little world and I try to make a connection, maybe that person will deny me, and I don't want to feel rejected. So I'm so impressed with the fear of being rejected that I'll just kind of stay to myself. Or why don't we serve? Because I don't serve because I'm so impressed with my world and what's happening in my world. I can't get outside of my world. We're so impressed by the things that the enemy brings, but God needs us to be impressed by him. God needs us to be impressed by His kingdom and His provision and His hand and His faithfulness and His righteousness. And when we're impressed by God, we'll get out of the boat and we'll go, God, where are we going? God, what are we doing? God, what do you have today? What do you have for my family? What do you have for me at Elevate Church? Why am I at Elevate Church? Why am I there? Why I'm there? Because God has a purpose to use me. 